and welcome to a very festive edition of Founded and Grounded, the podcast dedicated to the startup community and for people who have aspirations to start a business or just about to go into business or already there, then this is for you. It's 25 minutes or so of advice, inspiration and information told from the people who have already gone down this track already. I'm Andrew Parsonage and with me today in the studio, and I say studio in the loosest possible sense, Mr. Ollie Collard, Business Startup Supremo. Hello, Andrew. Ho, ho, ho. Your, your job title, that's very lovely, lovely touch there, Ollie. Your job title seems to change every podcast, so uh, I, I call you different things. But just, again, explain for listeners what you do in your spare time. So I basically help early stage businesses um, come up with their value proposition, so really honing in on what their business is and how they're going to get that out to the marketplace. Fantastic. And this is podcast number four of Founded and Grounded. So we're four in already. So I hope you've been enjoying these and finding them useful. And today, obviously, this is our last podcast before the Christmas break. We're going to take a couple of weeks off to allow you to uh, go away and actually enjoy yourselves. Just before we do disappear into the festive break, we thought we'd theme our podcast around a product or a gift idea. And if, like me, you haven't done any Christmas shopping yet, then we're going to be talking about innovative products today and things that you might want to buy for other people or things that other people might find quite quirky and useful, particularly if you're buying for young parents or new parents. Um, Ollie, the theme of today's podcast, before we name today's guest interview, the theme of today's podcast is protecting your products and also going against the grain, going against advice, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, that early stage of a business is uh, quite a nerve-wracking time. I think, you know, if you've got an idea for a product particularly, then you want to obviously protect it to stop people obviously copying the design of it but also making sure that if it's a new product actually getting it out to market quickly and having that first mover advantage as well but tailoring that with obviously protecting it in the right way and also not taking on board every single piece of advice you receive as well so all these things we're going to cover off in today's pre-christmas podcast so let's crack on Okay, Ollie, so here we go then. Please can you reveal this podcast's guest business? So I caught up with Matt Dyson, who is one of the three co-founders of a business called Rocket that was basically formed to solve the problem of trying to get babies to sleep when they're out and about. So it's all about a silent night then, very fitting for this pre-Christmas podcast. And you caught up with Matt recently, didn't you? I did, yeah. Down at the SS Great Britain, actually, there was an event there talking about innovation so it seemed quite fitting to talk to obviously Matt about his inventions they've got a whole range of products they're looking to launch in the marketplace so a really interesting chat. I guess if your surname is Dyson uh, you're, you must be linked with innovation one way or another and so any, any relation at all? I don't think so no he's a former kind of teacher and a, got an experience with product design background so yeah quite fitting. Excellent okay so uh, Ollie caught up with Matt recently and he starts off by asking Matt about the origins of the business how this product came into being. Well, Rocket um, is a portable baby rocker that um, fits onto any stroller or pram and gently rocks it for you so you don't have to. And the idea was really born out of a real problem that my brother-in-law had. In fact, I had it years ago. My children are all grown up now. But um, of that, when your meal arrives in a pub or uh, you're just about to order your coffee, the baby wakes up, causes all sorts of havoc... (laughs) And you end up walking around the, um, the pub garden and not being able to enjoy your meal. And, and this was an, 
an experience that my brother-in-law also had several years later with his daughter Abby uh, and she absolutely refused to sleep in the pushchair unless it was being rocked or, or moved along so he, he's a clever chap he, he's got a PhD in vibration and acoustics and he in desperation um, one night got up and, and took an old printer apart created a a, a sort of crude, he won't like me saying crude prototype, but it was quite crude prototype that, that, that he attached to Abby's buggy the next day and sure enough it worked. When, when he came to a, a, a halt at the supermarket checkout, the buggy kept moving, just rocking gently and Abby stayed asleep. So that's, yeah, that's where the idea came from. So can you tell me a bit more about your background? Originally I went to art school and eventually qualified and became an art director in an advertising agency in London. Didn't really like the cut and thrust of that, um, uh, advertising baked beans and such like, and uh, decided to retrain as a teacher. And I, I trained as a product design teacher, um, worked in schools and colleges for about 20 years, and then got a bit dis- sort of disillusioned and it, itchy feet really and, and wanted to move on. And that, that coincided with a sort of difficult period of time where my mum passed away. She, she left me a little bit of money, um, not, not loads of money, but enough to sort of, for me to be able to sort of reassess my career and, and what I wanted to do. And, and at exactly that point, my brother-in-law showed me his concept um, for the rocking device. And I said, you know, absolutely, we've got to do something with this. You know, he showed me at a Christmas, family Christmas party, and we spent the rest of the Christmas Googling and looking to see if there was anything out there that was similar to this in terms of a commercial product and and there wasn't I mean I don't know if you remember the very first episode of Dragon's Den um, there was a device that you could wheel a pushchair onto a big platform that was mains operated and uh, very sort of clumsy and and not at all portable so the idea that Nick came up with was absolutely fantastic it was tiny could be taken anywhere and I just knew at that point that you know I would like to use my skill sets in terms of design to actually start looking at branding it and, and turning it into a commercial product that you know w- would have a future. So how did you go from having this conversation around the Christmas dinner table to actually starting the business? Matt? S- pretty much straight away. I, um, I think it was in the January, as soon as I went back to school, I, I gave my notice in. I, I got a job part-time lecturing in a college, doing product design lecturing, and at the same time I bought a 3D printer and some CAD software, which I'd already been using through my teaching. I started working alongside another co-founder called Matt Sparrow. We started then looking at the branding and the design um, and turning, you know, Nick's fantastic concept into a marketable product. So could you tell me about one of the kind of main challenges that you've already faced in starting and trying to grow your business, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's probably the the usual one in terms of finance and cash flow. Uh, you know, we, we were lucky to win a number of grants, which really got us to the stage where we could launch the product. But moving forward, new product development and research into that and, and such like is very expensive. And obviously protecting ideas in terms of the intellectual property is expensive too. So we knew we had to raise some, some money. And, you know, we looked obviously at all the options. We looked at uh, bank finance. We looked at VC and angel investment. In fact, we had several meetings with angels in London and um, we pitched our business. They valued it at less than we thought it was valued. And, and in the end, we, we decided to pull out from that particular deal and decided that we'd go down the crowdfunding route. So we um, engaged with Crowdcube and set up a, a campaign in, in March of 2017. 
it was incredibly hard work. You know, I would say probably three or four months of me working full time, preparing for the CrowdCube fundraise and talking to potential investors. Many of those were actually friends, family, but you know, we, we, we live in rural Somerset. Uh, we haven't got access to high worth. We didn't have rich relatives, high worth individuals. So it was, you know, a real battle in terms of trying to find people that would invest. But um, we were really blown away by the reaction our CrowdCube campaign got when it went live online. And within three weeks, I think we'd, we'd raised um, £250,000 on, on their platform and then went on to an overfund, which has given us a, a you know, really good runway in terms of those new products in, in the pipeline. Okay, so there's quite a lot of interesting stuff there to work through. So let's just go through a few things there, Ollie. And, and interestingly, like with some of the other businesses we've spoken about, that this whole idea for a product, this idea for a business, was born out of a particular set of circumstances in someone's life. Yeah, I mean, it was three dads who shared a similar problem, um, and obviously the mums as well. Um, different stages in their life, this problem occurred, but... You know, as a new parent myself, it, it is a massive problem and they've they found a solution for it. And, and look, if you're listening to this and you're not a parent and you're probably struggling to identify with it, I think there's, there is a point about the, the principle here is about a product that seems to come together in your mind at a particular point in your life or a particular set of circumstances. And it was quite fitting for this podcast that it was an idea that was born out of a conversation around the Christmas dinner table, Ollie, where obviously all the best conversations have are had over a bit of turkey and a, and, and a few glasses of fizz. And, and, you know, obviously you can vouch for this product, Ollie. You have bought this product because you are a, a fairly new parent. Yeah, and it, and it works. Like, we, we put it on the buggy. And it's at those moments where you're trying to spend some quality time with your partner. Mm. You've ordered some food. Um, you know, you, you don't even get to eat food that often with two hands. So if they've just woken up and your food's arrived, you know, it is, it's a bit frustrating. Mm. Um, so actually having some quality time to spend with your partner... And this product enables that. Absolutely. The other interesting thing that Matt mentioned was that it wasn't like this was the first time that someone had had a go at creating something like this. There was something already out there. And I think what Matt did was he took that premise or made the design better and made it more portable, which seems to be the key thing here. Yeah, I mean, the design is very quirky, very cool. They've got a space theme. But the key point is that this clips onto any buggy. It's universal. Yeah, and there's something almost wonderfully English about that. This, uh, I think it was his brother, wasn't it? So he took apart a printer in the middle of the night because he couldn't get to sleep and, and used his engineering nails to create something on this bit of Heath Robinson light to do that. Just from that, let's move on to some of the challenges then that Matt spoke about. And I guess like with any business, finance and cash flow, right up there is one of the key issues. Yeah, I mean, they're taking a new product to market, so it's going to require a certain amount of startup capital. Obviously, they started with grants, which are fantastic to kind of get that proof of concept in the initial phase. But in terms of trying to scale up the business and, you know, actually manufacture this product mm. when there's going to be large orders needed in terms of the minimum order quantities, they need capital to do so. So obviously, they looked at angel investment. They actually had a deal on the table from some angels based in London, and they decided that wasn't the best deal for them. They mm. undervalued the business. They knew there was something larger at play here in terms of potentially trying to get their customers on board early. So they opted to do a crowdfunding campaign. And, you know, within three weeks, they had a quarter of a million pounds on the table. Which is a remarkable sum of money in anyone's language to have amassed in such a short time, from partly from friends and family. So obviously they struck a chord with, with people out there. And it goes back to some of the themes of the podcast, Ollie, about you know, people will always offer you advice and say it's this or it's that. But so th this was an example where they actually decided they knew 
different and they decided to go with their instincts when it came to the valuation of their business they did and you know they fundamentally had that inner belief in the business so they turned their back on the investment and decided crowdfunding was the better option which, um, which is quite a bold thing to do isn't it because if someone's offering you money it must be very tempting to say Look, great we'll have that you're saying there's actually some wisdom in just being just being careful and not taking the first offer or one of the few offers you get yeah i think throughout their business in the early stages they stuck to their guns and i think that's a real key piece of advice actually yeah and we, we've covered crowdfunding before i think in podcast number two when we spoke to uh, blue from uh, the king's shaving products company and again interesting i'm sure blue said the same and, and matt said it here that it, it is obviously crowdfunding it, it was amazingly successful for for matt in this situation but the product of of weeks months of, of incredibly hard work yeah, I mean, that's not to be underestimated if you are considering running a crowdfunding campaign. You know, it takes, you know, three to four months out of the business and you need that list of customers before you start. So you want to have 30% of the uh, confirmed target already kind of approved before actually going live. But I think crowdfunding is fantastic. You know, it's opening up investment. Uh, it's making it more democratic. Your average person on the street can make this investment in this product. Mm. Okay. Well, look, we won't talk too much more about crowdfunding today because we have covered it before. But if you did want to just go back to the podcast, that was the podcast number two with King. It's definitely worth having a listen again if crowdfunding is the road that you want to go down. Okay, Ollie, so let's go back to your conversation with Matt. And we've already got a sense of the fact that he was sitting on a, a very innovative product here. Its design was was quite unique. It was that portability. It seemed to kind of strike a chord for a lot of people. So the priority then was to protect that, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, if they just went out straight to market, then they would have been open to all kind of challenges and potential copycats. So having that brand protection, trademarks and protecting other design rights was obviously key in the first place. OK, well, let's see how Matt approached that situation. So one of the key things we did, we, we knew that we needed to protect the intellectual property and, and, and do a number of things, including trademark, protecting it with a trademark, design registration to protect the shape and form of it, but also a patent application to protect the sort of inventive step, the, the, the mechanical bit inside. So we were a little bit cheeky in some respects in that we obviously had a very small budget as a startup. We got some free advice from a number of different solicitors each time we asked a slightly different question so that we could get some sort of legal advice on how to proceed and that was really useful and, and obviously we formalised relationships with, with particular IP companies to, to then uh, register all our IP. Once we'd done that, we, we were free to then reveal the product um, publicly and, and um, as part of that we, we entered a trade organizations uh, nursery trade organizations innovation competition um, where they were looking for innovative new baby products and we were very fortunate to become finalists in that and part of the prize was to have a free stand at a big uh, international trade show up in Harrogate and we turned up thought a product was good but we, we we didn't know how good it was or what people's perception of it was in the trade and uh, we had a fantastic reception there we had the likes of the John Lewis buyer the mother care buyer at our stand looking at one of our 3D printed prototypes saying when's it going to be available which was fantastic and we still had lots of work to do on the product at that time we also entered a, a big prestigious accelerator program called the Design Council Spark Accelerator we had sort of six months of mentoring uh, help with both the design uh, but also IP protection branding financial modeling and such like and in effect 
prepared a business plan which we then presented at the end of the process uh, which enabled us to win a, a large sum of money to, to move the, the production forward. So it sounds like you took a fundamental strategic decision not to go to retail directly and obviously use distributors to get your product out there to your customer base um, because the main reason was to concentrate on the innovation and product development. Yeah, that, that was probably the main reason for doing it, but also uh, the speed at which we could get access to those large retailers. You know, when you're a brand, a startup with one product, getting into John Lewis or Argus is virtually impossible. So, you know, by going through a distributor who has those relationships, that was really important. But yeah, innovation is, is really key to what we want to do moving forward. We like to think that we'll eventually be the sort of Joseph Joseph or baby sleep products, and we'll have our own shelf in John Lewis with multiple products and uh, that, that's the sort of long-term aim and innovation is so important. You know the nursery industry there is innovation going on but it's quite slow compared with other product sectors so you know we're really wanting to sort of disrupt that and um, produce really quirky but useful products that, that, that have real innovation at their core. So Matt, entrepreneurs tend to be at one end of the spectrum, either very protective over their business idea or very open to collaboration and you know, testing their idea in the marketplace. Where, where do you kind of sit on that journey? Yeah, I think <clears throat> going back to the, the points I made earlier about the uh, intellectual property, you know, that is probably the most important thing. So before we showed anyone Rocket, we made sure we protected it as far and wide as we could but then as soon as we'd done that we wanted to just show everyone the idea you know because we wanted to get validation from mums and dads that the product actually worked and that people would want to buy it but we also wanted to recruit distributors that would distribute our products so we had to go to trade shows and show people and shout about it and I think all too often um, entrepreneurs are very sort of cautious about telling other people about their idea but if your protection is there it's so important because if you delay, there's a risk somebody might beat you to, to, to the market. And, um, you know, we, we just literally ordered 5,000 rockets. As soon as we'd approved the samples and knew that the quality was good, we ordered 5,000 and we just went for it. You know, it's worked for us. You know, you know maybe it's a little bit down to luck, you know, the right time and the right place. You know, certainly a lot of hard work as well. As well. But um, I think, you know, that would be my tip, just... Don't be afraid to talk to people about your idea. There's no point if it's not a goer, ploughing lots of money into it, only to find that it doesn't sell. Right, so again, plenty to chew over there. And uh, let's first of all look at the issue of protection. So if people just take aside for a minute, this is a baby product. There is a product here which is of obvious value. It struck a chord with a lot of people. And Matt's priority was first to get protection around this so then he could take it to market. Yeah, and he was quite clever in that approach because he approached lots of legal firms and asked them their advice and slightly changed the question each time. And that's what you've got to do in the early phase of a startup. You've got to hustle a bit. Mm. And he, he kind of took advantage of that. And I think that's where he got lots of valuable information back. Mm. Okay, and it's interesting that he obviously took advantage of initially free advice that was out there so absolutely take advantage of that and it, it is there if, 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 if you look for it do, do you think Ollie often in people's enthusiasm to go to market that they overlook things like intellectual property and protecting that thing that you've created because this is pardon the the pun here but this is your baby isn't it this is your thing that you've you've created and you're trying to nurture 
do you think people sometimes make the mistake of not taking the necessary steps to protect it? I think so, and I think that's one of the fundamental things that you have to get right from the outset. Fortunately for Matt and the team, they they knew the you know the critical nature of actually protecting the intellectual property from the outset in terms of having you know obviously the uh, patent for the mechanical part, um, the trademark because they're going out to forty five countries and protecting the design registration as well. And certainly the story is a great one in, in terms of the steps they took and the various chapters that sort of you can see that upwards curve in terms of the activity and success and certainly by being in the right place at the right time they 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 got to that competition they got that opportunity to be at that exhibition in Harrogate where they all of a sudden they had a, a, a profile with people like John Lewis which is always always a good organization to have, have looking at your products they just, it seemed like they got the support in the right areas and, and again it was a case of the right place right time yeah, and I think they were very clever about that. They entered competitions, they were part of that accelerator. And I think, you know, that they were just in the right place at the right time mm. and things came together. You know, the buyer of John Lewis looking at the product and giving fantastic feedback is great. Obviously, Mothercare as well, although that's recently <laughs> gone into yeah, administration. Yeah. Okay, just a final point on, on what Matt was saying there. And I think it's a really important point here because it's this issue about not being afraid to collaborate or maybe knowing when to collaborate so again you've got this idea you think it's the best thing since sliced bread and you don't want other people to kind of take it and pinch it just in case a bit of a dilemma for businesses here ollie you know at what point should they start collaborating or, or start talking to other people in a in a similar situation without being afraid that their ideas might get stolen yeah matt and his team went about it in the right way they sought legal advice on the protection side of things early on and when they had that in order then they went out to the marketplace and talked to potential collaborators about their product yeah i think it's a case of making sure you got your ducks in a row and i think you nailed it in terms of when is the right point to collaborate i think it's just having that clear in your mind so if it is a product that needs protection then obviously that's something that you have to do quite early on but once you're confident that that's in place then, you know, go and shout about it to the whole world. Yeah. It, it sounds like that, that protection, getting the IP secured, for example, gave them the confidence to really market it and give it the full full bells and whistles. Uh, and in terms of collaborating, we, we've spoken in previous podcasts about networking, for example. And if you're along with people who aren't in direct competition with you, obviously their products are, or services are different, then it gives you more freedom to have those conversations to almost use other people as a sounding board. And because often you can find a lot of wisdom in that approach, can't you? Yeah, and I think they scaled their product quite quickly by being open to collaboration. They basically took the strategic decision to go down the distribution route um, to get into lots of different countries, whereas they could have tried to do that themselves. But I think that would have taken them a very long time. And, you know, every country is different. It's got a different business culture and they need to understand the marketplace. So they chose partnership to actually take their product forward. Okay, Ollie, so we're almost there with the conversation with Matt. And there's just one or two final things we want to find out about. So I know you asked him firstly about the distribution of that product. Obviously, it's got to a point now where people are loving it and they want to see it on the shop shelves. So that point about distribution and continuing innovation. And also, it seems like Rocket aren't sitting on their laurels. They've got a few more things at their sleeves as well, haven't they? Yeah, they're definitely not going to be a one-trick pony. They've got a whole product range that they want to develop and they want to be the go-to people for baby sleep. You've also got a prototype of a second product 
on the table. You can't talk too much about it, but can you just give the listeners a, a quick flavour of what that's going to be? Yeah, um, it's, it's basically another sleep aid for, for children. When, when we launched Rockets, uh, it was specifically designed for prams and strollers, but a lot of customers have been saying, you know, we, we really are struggling with baby sleeping in the bed and we're driving around the block for hours or um, having to go for sort of long walks in the middle of the night to try and get them off to sleep. So, you know, we've, we've developed an, a new product to continue with the space theme. He, he's a, a very small sort of quirky astronaut um, shaped product that actually just sits on any cot mattress or um, bed mattress and sends soothing vibrations through the actual mattress. You know, we've developed a technology within that that, that creates a really nice low frequency rumble, which is exactly like the baby experiences when they're in their car seats, which always, well, it always did with my children, sends them to sleep. You know, we're really excited about that new product and we're hoping that will be a, launched into retail in February of March next year. So, Matt, you've got lots of adoring fans for good reasons. What's some of the feedback been from some of your customers? Well, yeah, um, nice of you to say I've got adoring fans. I, I assume you mean the business. <laughs> We've got a very active sort of social media following and we get some fantastic um, comments about the product. Um, last week we had a, a, a mum write a comment saying that the rocket had saved her life. And it was the first time she'd been able to eat a meal with both hands since she'd had the baby six months ago. So, you know, things like that, it's, it's really satisfying to hear feedback along those lines. And I think you alluded to it, you know, when you bought the rocket, you know, it enabled you to spend a bit of quality time with your wife. You know, a very tricky time when, when you've got a newborn. That sort of affirmation we're getting from customers is, is really important to us. And we're glad in our small way that we're helping in, in, in some way. So, Matt, is there anything that keeps you awake at night or...? As, a, as an entrepreneur and founder? You know, obviously there's always risk involved and um, you can be f- so focused on the business, the day-to-day running of the business that you miss the bigger picture. And, and you know, sometimes I, I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat thinking, you know, uh, have we prepared properly for the next phase of, of the business's growth? And I go into the office that day and say to Nick, right, we're going to have to have a meeting. Let's have a meeting. Let's discuss this. You know, it's ironic that um, we're... a a company that produce products to help babies sleep, yet we probably sleep less than the babies. But I think that's just being, a, a, you know, obviously a, a founder of a startup. It's par for the course, really. Okay, Ollie. Well, some lovely bits and pieces there at the end. And I've got to touch upon one or two of those things. We won't go into too much detail because I think Matt pretty much covered it. But uh, what was quite interesting, first of all, was about the speed of innovation in this particular market. Because I think you and I, as, as parents, you're at a slightly earlier stage than me, being into the shops we've seen online, you know, the products are out there. But it's interesting that Matt was saying that the speed of innovation in this market is actually quite slow. And that's actually something that could be a USP, unique selling point for their business. Yeah, and I think that, you know, there's innovation that you can apply to any market, regardless of what sector it's in. Yeah, if, if it's what funny, like you disrupting the, the baby products market, but that's exactly what they're doing in a way, aren't they? Certainly are. And the other bit we haven't really touched upon yet is about the uh, marketing and the social media aspect of this, because obviously there are people out there on Facebook, on social media. The social media is an absolutely key marketing tool for startup businesses, never mind anyone else. And it seems like they've got a little bit of a following on social media, which is the dream, I guess, of, a, of any business, any startup. It's a way of directly engaging with your fans and your customers. Mm. And if you can get them singing and shouting about your product, then it's a free resource that you can do. You know, limited funds as a startup, so 
it's one of the best ways to actually engage. Look, you know, this is not any old feedback because obviously people get testimonials and they get glowing reviews, but this is really meaningful stuff. It's actually stuff that's improving people's lives. And, and finally, I suppose there's a, a, a beautiful irony in the fact that, uh, you know, he's designed a product that helps babies sleep. Yet he's the one who's been kept awake at night. And I suppose that is the thing for an entrepreneur is you never really stop thinking. You're always thinking about the next thing. You can't really rest on your laurels for too long. And you're only as good as your last product, really, aren't you? Yeah, as a founder, there's going to be times, um, obviously, where things are keeping you up at night or you're mulling over things that have happened in the previous week. But that that's part and parcel of it. And, you know, there are three of them there as the three co-founders. So they can they can talk about it and get those issues kind of resolved um, with one another. Yeah. And it sounds like maybe have a notebook by your bed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe that's the way it goes. It's like you make a note in the middle of the night. If you wake up, write it down and then next morning go to work in it, which just sounds like what exactly what Matt did. Top tip right there, Andrew. Absolutely. I'm, I'm full of good advice, as you know, Ollie. Obviously, I'm sure people now will be wanting to see everything else in more detail and check out his website and everything else. Have you got the details there, Ollie? Yeah, so you can find them on the World Wide Web at rocketrocker.com. They're also on Twitter at WeAreRocket. Mm, okay. And finally, just a reminder of this podcast's key messages, which were around protection and going with your gut instincts. Those are our sort of abiding messages for this podcast, aren't they, Ollie? Yeah, making sure that you get that protection um, before you go out to the marketplace is key, particularly when you've got an innovative product that you're bringing to the marketplace. And also, you know, getting out there and seeking advice from different people, but also taking that advice with a pinch of salt. Excellent. OK, thank you once again to Matt. A pleasure speaking with uh, Matt from Rocket there. Ollie, we're pretty much done now. It's a wrap, pardon the Christmas pun, and we're done for this calendar year. We'll be back early in the new year. Our next podcast is on the 7th of January. It'll be available on all the platforms from that date onwards. So, so I guess this is where we leave you and wish you a wonderful Christmas. Have a relaxing time. Don't think about your business too much, but do have those conversations around the Christmas dinner table about those amazing ideas for 2020. Ollie and I, we've got our founded and grounded Christmas party to look forward to. How's the budget looking like for that? Uh, pretty healthy, Andrew. <laughs> is news to me anyway on that note look, have a great christmas we look forward to speaking with you again in the new year also don't forget to check us out on facebook the page is founded and grounded uh, we publish on there all kinds of bits and pieces relating to the podcast so do check us out ollie thank you for your time today thank you very much andrew you've been listening to founded and grounded with myself andrew parsonage and ollie collard and as i said we will be back with you in january take care